On this week's episode, will the Gray Man fend off impending doom for Netflix? Our predictions for Comic-Con, and could this be one of the worst years ever for video games? All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, our good friends at Vampires and Vitae, our good friends at Humanican Media, and if you could do all of that, including PopCultureCosmos.com, of course, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer out there on Facebook, and of course, we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook each and every day like no one else. If you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without a good friend of mine. And stepping in for the vacationing, Josh Peterson is a good friend indeed. You got to go ahead and check him out today whenever he's on, of course, Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break. And of course, everything that he does out there in the podcasting world, it is my good friend. It is Mr. TJ Johnson, live on remote. Always good to yeah, have you here, my friend. Remote. What's up, Absolutely. G? How are you, man? I'm doing good. I hope you are as well, my friend. I know you're live out there. In fact, I guess in the spirit of talking about <laughs> Comic-Con, you actually yeah. sound like you're at a Comic-Con right now, my friend. You know, I, I wish I could say it was as exciting as a Comic-Con, but it's not. It's just a grocery store, you know? Dad doesn't stop 24-7, right? This is, we, get, we, we can leave work, we can clock in and clock out, but, you know, Dad is, that's a 24-7 gig, man, seven days a week, 365 okay. days. Like, this yeah. is true, my friend, but I did want to let you know something very important. I do need, actually, if I can, a refill on orange juice, so if you can go to the orange juice section and grab right, these right, orange right, right, right. That would be greatly appreciated, my friend. Yep, yeah, it'll be it'll be good by the time it gets there to you. I'm gonna get frozen. Okay, fair enough. Be nice cold for me when it gets to Las Vegas. But we've got a great show on tap for everybody out there. We're gonna be talking a lot of great things, including the results of the second weekend for Love and Thunder. Should Marvel be concerned? We'll let you know on the show. Plus, also as well, we're gonna be talking about the Gray Man. For Netflix, that came out this past Friday. It's been also in a limited number of theaters. Will this be the movie to help Netflix propel itself back into the good graces of shareholders? That's coming up in the news as well, coming up here in a bit. Plus also as well, our predictions for Comic-Con because San Diego Comic-Con, that's coming up this weekend. Ooh, I can't wait for Comic-Con here in just a few days. We're going to go ahead and share our thoughts could this be the most important Comic-Con ever for DC and Marvel? We'll talk about that coming up on the show. And the lack of video games being released this year has caused me for some evaluation. Especially, especially after talking about last week the best years of video games so i'm going to go ahead and ask tj his thoughts as a major video gamer that he is if this could be one of the worst years ever for video games with all the delays with all the titles that are now heading to 2023 and beyond could this be one of the worst years ever for video games that's coming up on the show as well but first, my friend, I'm going to ask you your thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder. I had a chance to check it out last week. I shared some thoughts on PCC Multiverse on the movie itself. It is not the greatest of Marvel Cinematic Universe adventures for me. I didn't think I appreciated it as much as I thought I would anyways. 
And it seems like audiences are doing the same as well. And the secondhand word of mouth is not really that good for it. And unfortunately, because the cinema scores and also the word of mouth is not helping out matters, Thor Love and Thunder had a steep drop of almost 70%, 68% down to $46 million for its second weekend here domestically. The good news is that it's hitting $500 million worldwide at the box office, but that is one of the steepest declines ever for a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. TJ, I want to ask your thoughts on this. I mean, when you have a movie that's in such steep decline in its second week, what does that tell you, my friend? I believe it tells you a couple of things. One, especially in particular about Marvel. We have to look at it from a particular cosmos, right? So... 2008 when this whole marvel cinematic universe kicked off in between 2008 and 2018 they put out a good amount of movies but it was pretty well paced it's probably maybe three two movies a year three movies a year it had a good pace to it since endgame we have gotten like four or five movies multitude upon multitude of disney plus shows it has been an insane amount of content that we've gotten so Looking at it from that perspective, I'm becoming more on the train of quality over quantity. And I think that's where I think a lot of people are. We're starting Mm -hmm. to actually feel the Marvel fatigue. Um, I know I'm personally starting to feel the Marvel fatigue. And Thor Love and Thunder, unfortunately, was really just a continuation of Thor from Ragnarok. And if you didn't like Thor Ragnarok or if you thought it was too slapstick or too too much comedy, too, too funny... You're not going to like Thor Love and Thunder. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put it out there. You're not gonna like it. Um, I personally didn't mind it. it. It was not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination, but it, I definitely don't dislike. The, I didn't dislike the film. It's just not one of those films that I, but I have to go see it again and again and again and again and again. Like I can still watch Endgame from front to back today, and I've seen it a gazillion times at this point. Thor Love and Thunder will not have the legs. Um, granted, it's going to hit 500 million domestically or overseas, I should say. But it's not going to have the legs that any of the other Marvel films have had because I truly do believe we're going through a bit of a fatigue. They're just putting out too much content. And I understand that Disney is really, really, really leaning on Marvel. I mean, especially if you look at not the disaster, but the disappointment that was like year really. I'm not as concerned as a lot of the other pundits are out there that are saying the demise of Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is over as we know it. I don't believe that. Uh, I do believe there's some restructuring that needs to happen. I think they need to have a refocus. And the fact that we're far into phase four, and while we have an idea of who the villain is, we don't know. By the end of the first Avengers film, we knew who the overarching villain was. We, We were well aware. So right now, we're all still kind of trying to figure out exactly how the overarching theme if you will is going to play out um, but it, it's it's just it's a lot of content it's just been a lot of content i mean you've had wandavision you've had uh miss marvel you've had hawkeye you've had like it, it's just it's been insane you've had captain or falcon and winter soldier you've just had so much content in such a small amount of time i can understand where the fatigue will come from but as an avid Marvel fan, I refuse to I refuse to become fatigued. I refuse. I refuse. Keep going. <laughs> well, I will say for me, I was disappointed because it leaned, like you said, too much on the comedy segment of it with Taika Waititi directing this film again. I love Thor Ragnarok. I thought it was really good. I liked it, but also blended a, a good amount of storytelling and, of course, what was yet to come with, like you said, Avengers Endgame, because it proved to be one of the final key pieces before Avengers Endgame hit. I am disappointed, though, with the results of Thor Love and Thunder when I went to go see it because of the fact that I thought it just relied too much on the joke and unfortunately kind of overshadowed a great performance by Christian Bale. And in doing so, it really just kind of lessened his character, lessened the importance of the actual film as well at the same time. But Again, like you said, a lot has to be done for Marvel leading up to Comic-Con. And we'll go over that in our predictions later in the show. But, you know, like you said, with Marvel, there could be some fatigue as well. The fact that they're not piecing these things together with what's going on in Phase 4. Nobody seems to really have an idea as far as what clear path 
that Marvel's taking towards whatever end? Is it a Secret Wars? Is it going to be something relating to the multiverse? Is it going to be something more extensive? We're not sure. Uh, nobody knows for sure. It just seems to be so weird how they're laying this out. The cut scenes, the end scenes, the end credit scenes, the mid credit scenes, they don't seem to be all pieced together to help out this whole narrative. I mean, we just got our first peek at possibly down the road with the inclusion of a inhuman slash mutant slash x-men that could possibly be the case for miss marvel as it was identified on the end of miss marvel so we'll see what happens there but again when you have a disappointing 68 percent drop in your second weekend that's not a good sign for marvel and that tells them they need to go ahead and possibly refocus and reshift their attention on making good quality films. Absolutely. And you know, to be fair, we're talking about Kevin Feige. He has proven, if anybody has proven to be allowed to have a chance to, to write this ship, if you will, it's Kevin Feige. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's doing. He's earned our respect. He's earned the right to say, okay, hey, just 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 stay with me. Just hold on. I got something for you. Just just stay with me. He knows what he's doing. So until he's proven that he can no longer do that job, I have the utmost faith in him. I, I, I am not concerned about the overall thing from, from Marvel. I just believe that they need to kind of narrow the focus a little bit and, and, and kind of get back to very specific storytelling and not look at such a huge overarching plot, you know, and, and start giving us more than a couple breadcrumbs because they've, they've left breadcrumbs that we can always you know, think about what happened at the end of Loki and then what happened at the end of Multiverse of Madness and what happened at the end of No Way Home and how they're looking towards this multi-dimensional fight, probably Secret Wars type thing. We get that. But the average Marvel fan is going to probably, and the average MCU fan, which may not always be such an avid comic book fan, is probably going to need a little bit more of a, a breadcrumb trail to know exactly what they're about to get into, um, to actually be excited about what they're going to get into. You have to understand that while we've grown up with these characters, everybody that watches these films don't watch comics or don't read comics. So they aren't necessarily well-versed in what the Secret Wars is. They aren't well-versed in what Inhumans are. They aren't well-versed in, in who Kane the Conqueror is and, and what those what that means for the overall MCU. They, they don't know that. So if, if we, and we being... Now, I'm speaking from part of Marvel, but if we as the MCU and the MCU fandom don't put down the breadcrumbs enough for people to follow, then of course, naturally, people are going to lose interest. They're going to become disinterested. So it, it really does come down to just a refocusing and making sure that they put out the right information for the right people. We are going to be excited. We're going to watch every film regardless because that's who we are. But it's the people that aren't going to watch every film that you've got to, you've got to sink your teeth into and they have to feel it. So. Absolutely. But the one last thing I want to ask you on this is that with the future of Thor itself and with Thor, we obviously know if you've caught the movie already, the direction that Lady Thor has passed away and now she's in Valhalla, a.k.a. Natalie Portman, a.k.a. Jane Foster. And Thor seemingly has palled around with his real life daughter at the very end of the movie and is going off on adventures with her uh, she's i guess named love in the film so i think that that's nice and all but is there going to be a direction down the road for thor what key integral part will he be playing in the future of the marvel cinematic universe chris hamsworth has been kind of tight-lipped on his future with the marvel cinematic universe whether or not he wants to go ahead and suit up for thor once again but after this movie, a lot of people around are both on the fence one way or the other on whether they want another Thor movie. So I ask you, my friend, with the right director, the right plot, the right script, could we see another rebirth, another recharge of Thor once again? And do we actually want to see another rebirth or a continuance of the Thor story down the road in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, I think that's a, that's a great question. I think that every person that I've ever, whose interview I've ever listened to that talks about being part of the MCU, they've all spoke about getting off before they were pushed off. And I think that with Thor being the only character thus far that's had a 
fourth solo outing, it's important that he keeps in mind, and he being Chris Hemsworth, that as long as the character is fresh to him and he feels like there's still more he can bring to the story, then keep going for it. But you don't want to start getting to the point where you're cashing your check. And I don't believe that that's something Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth would do. Uh, do I personally see there being a need for a Thor moving forward in the MCU? Absolutely. But I don't know if he needs his own solo outing anymore. I don't know if we need to see a Thor 5 or a Thor 6. I think if we have Thor pop in here, pop in there, then it doesn't become so burdensome for Chris Hemsworth. It allows him the opportunity to do other projects. So, of course, they're naturally going to feel the same way about Love and Thunder being the same director. So I think it's important that we that we allow these guys a chance to breathe, allow their characters a chance to breathe, and learn how to use them when we need them as opposed to continuously using them just for the sake of using them. So do I want to see another Thor? Mm, not another solo Thor. I think I'm okay with another solo Thor. But do I want to see a continuation of Thor's story? Absolutely. Do I want to see how he continues to help in the overall arcing Marvel Cinematic Universe? Absolutely. But for his own solo act, no, I don't think he needs to do that. He can go very much like Iron Man did with Spider-Man in uh, Homecoming, and I'd be okay with that. I agree with you. I think that's probably the best route for him going forward is just to go ahead and be a part of the action going on but not be a central focus. I think that, like you said, if there was a Thor 5, you really don't know where to go with Thor 5 in regards to where exactly everything is going with his character I think his character at this point could be as either a mentor or someone that could be an integral part of a collective team, say another Avengers movie, say in Secret Wars, say in something that they could go ahead and have him be a part of as opposed to being a focal central point of his own movie. I think that would probably be the best route for him and also Marvel as well. Agreed. But what is everyone's thoughts out there on... Of course, Thor, Love and Thunder, as it hits its second weekend, it's just about $500 million in the bank worldwide, did drop significantly, one of the biggest drops ever for a Marvel Cinematic Universe film in its second week, dropping 68% to $46 million, so that's of some concern to the folks at Disney and Marvel, but again, $500 million in the bank. Still on its way to a strong $700, $800 million tenure at the box office. So that's something I think people still have to keep in mind that it still generates a ton of cash for Disney and Marvel, even though maybe it's not what quite they expected when they first had this lined up. But we'll wait and see what's going on with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In fact, we'll talk more about the MCU on the back end of the show with our predictions for Comic-Con. But what are your thoughts out there on Thor Love and Thunder in its second weekend at the box office? If you've seen the movie, are you avoiding it? Are you waiting to catch it on Disney Plus? We would love to hear your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Big on America. Hey guys, this is Jason Dutch with Dig on America Podcast, and I'm here with Big Hops. And I'm also here with Mikey Famine. Dig on America here, we explore how American history, policies, and sometimes even our pop culture created the social and political issues facing Americans today. You can check out our website, digonamerica.com. We're on every single audio podcast app there is out there, Pandora, Spotify, etc. Subscribe on YouTube. You can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash DOA podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to the show, guys. Big on America. Well, also out this weekend, my friend, in theaters, although it was only in selected theaters, and it was really just, uh, I think a lot of people didn't even want to catch it because Where the Crawdads Sing actually was a big hit <laughs> as far as that's concerned. When it, uh, Even though the, the reviews weren't great on it, the fact that a lot of people loved the book seemed, seemingly went out for it. So it was a big surprise hit, hitting number three at the box office this weekend. In selected theaters, though, was The Gray Man for Netflix, along with, of course, debuting on Netflix. But really seemingly, from what I see in the numbers, that nobody really went out to go see The Gray Man with Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling at the theaters. I'm assuming that once they see it on Netflix or show up on Netflix, that's exactly what they're actually going to go ahead and go check out. So the question is, my friend, this is an important week for Netflix because... 
They're about ready to go ahead and report their second quarter earnings. We all know what happened when they reported their first quarter earnings and everything went to, well, it went to blazes for lack of a better term because (laughs) the fact that they reported a decline in their viewership, they reported a decline in the revenue and everything that, that they take in, which meant a lot of layoffs afterwards, which meant a lot of disappointment and also a drop of about almost 70% in their stock value at one time. I think it's still pretty low as we speak. So my thoughts on the gray man are that, yes, the reviews out there are not great for it, but with Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, I still think people are going to check it out initially. Whether or not they still continue to go ahead and check it out is is a great concern, but how important do you think that this $200 million blockbuster by the Russo brothers, which again has not performed too well with critics, how important is that for the future of Netflix in, as far as what they need to report later this week and also going forward? I think it's extremely important. And, and, and here's why I say that. Obviously, as you mentioned, they've invested quite a bit of money into, into this particular passion project uh, with Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling. And, the Russos, as we have come to know them, being parts of the MCU. So because of the amounts of, of money and time and effort and energy that they put into it, they're going to want some kind of return on their investment. And I understand that wholeheartedly. Remember, everything was in the theaters, and then we had the pandemic, and it kind of shut down going to the theater. I shouldn't say kind of shut down. It definitely shut down going to the theater. And so Netflix, all the streaming wars happened. And we got to realize for the first time that we can do without some of these streaming services. There's a lot of options, uh, for lack of a better term. We have choices, and we're not stuck to Netflix. We're not beholden to Netflix, obviously, which we see after the, the, the stock decrease and all that. Now, for the great man, I think it's extremely important that Netflix comes out the gate strong. And they're showing at the, at the theater proves that mm, we don't really care about seeing that in the theater because we have the option of seeing it on Netflix. We have the option of seeing it at home when we're ready at our convenience. It's not necessary for us to go out to the theater to watch that. So it really proves the point that if I can go see it at home in the comfort of my home, why am I going to the movie theater to watch this film? I just, I, I want Netflix to continue to succeed. I want them to do well, but I need them to find their identity again. It was easy for Netflix to find their identity when you have competition like blockbusters. Uh, family video, things of that nature, where you would go and rent movies and you have to leave the comfort of your own home to do so. And, you know, with Netflix, you didn't have to do that. And then when they got to the streaming wars, they were the only game in town. So it was very easy for them to find their footing in that. Originally, now that we have options, now that we have choices, it's becoming not so easy. It's becoming not so easy to 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 win these streaming wars anymore because now we've got way too many options you've got paramount plus you've got disney plus you've got tubi you've got so many options now that it's no longer automatic i don't know if they can do for netflix what netflix needs to do i'm 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 concerned i am concerned i'm concerned as well because again you know netflix with its 220 million subscribers okay that's that's great and all so we shouldn't feel too sorry for netflix but the thing is how Netflix goes, maybe the rest of streaming can go with it as far as what is going on for the future of streaming. And I think with analysts, they're very concerned about what Netflix is going to report this week because that could mean some serious signs for the streaming industry as far as going forward. I know a lot of people are concerned as regard the economic state of the U.S., the entire world for that matter, and where everything stands, inflation, et cetera, et cetera. But I think a lot of people are concerned that people that were cord cutting way back when away and going to streaming away from broadcasting and cable are now going to be streaming cutting and cutting off their streaming or cutting off uh, some of the things that they really enjoyed in the past, like Netflix or Disney Plus or Paramount Plus or what have you, because of the fact that they don't see them as the great value that they once did. So. There is great concern right now in the investment community on the future of what Netflix will report and if that's going to have a ripple effect throughout the entire streaming industry. So there's really some concerns right now. I think a lot of people are just, you know, even if you're not an investor out there, I think a lot of people are just, you know, just passing it off. But 
there needs to be some great concern because if Netflix does not continue to do well or somebody replaces Netflix and does not do well in the streaming industry, that could be some bad signs for the streaming industry as a whole. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, it, it, Netflix is a pioneer. So the way they go, they could go a lot uh, with the other streaming services, as you said. You have to you have to remember that the whole reason that we started to get into the streaming was, again, convenience. And two, because people were cord cutting. Because it made sense. Because it was cheaper. Because it was a convenience, right? And, and, and yeah. they were saving money. But then, again, now you're looking at Peacock, Disney+, Plus, Netflix, Hulu uh Tubi, uh google tv like there's so many options out there now and quite frankly there there's too many options so now as you said as you mentioned people are going to be looking at streaming cutting and saying okay well what do i really look at um for instance you know my wife and i we have sling tv we have hulu we have netflix we've got disney plus we've got hbo max we've got stars we've got we are spending more on streaming than we were on cable and the problem with that is that's kind of defeated the purpose. The purpose was to cut the cord and then not be beholden to a cable company. And now we've cut the cord, but we're beholden to our streaming company. And it kind of defeats the purpose. So I, I agree with you. I think that they're, they're awaiting this with bated breath, trying to see exactly what they report and where they're going to go from here. Because quite frankly, it's getting expensive. And people are going to start making some real heavy considerations on what they're going to keep and what they're going to cut. And Netflix is definitely on the chopping block. Netflix could definitely very well be on the chopping block because of the fact that it is now the most expensive of all the streaming options out there. And with other fledgling or growing number of services that are out there, especially when you've got HBO Max, they put out a ton of quality content this year. We got Disney Plus with Star Wars and Marvel, where we talked about there, which, of course, going forward, where does that stand? Hopefully, they'll be able to go ahead and continue throwing out the content. You've got Amazon Prime with Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power that's on the horizon. And that's something that a lot of people can just go ahead and switch over. I mean, a lot of people consider Amazon Prime the best value because of all the things that they offer with their basic package. So, if it comes to the point where it's Netflix versus Amazon Prime, a lot of people may choose to go with Amazon Prime because it gives you so much more as far as the, the options of what you need to do than Netflix. So there's a lot of things to consider. And you're right, people are going to start making serious decisions on which streaming services they want to keep and which ones they want to discard. So this is going to be, again, something that we're going to have to go ahead and keep an eye on because of the fact that these streaming services, which have enjoyed over the past five years some amazing growth, is now kind of slowing down to halt in many cases. And later this week with Netflix, we could see an even bigger decline. And if that's the case and they start declining, whether under 200, under 190 million, then it goes down from there. I don't think it'll be that steep. I think it's just talking about if they do have a decline, it'd be about two to five million. But still, that's a big hit for Netflix and a sign that things won't be so rosy for them and the streaming industry going forward. It's going to be interesting. I will tell you that. Absolutely, indeed. But I want to hear everybody's thoughts on The Gray Man. Did you go check it out in theaters or did you stay at home on Netflix? I think most people stayed at home and watched it on Netflix. But I want to hear your thoughts on The Gray Man. And also, are you making some really hard decisions on what streaming services you're going to keep and which ones you're going to go ahead and discard and why? I mean, we want to know if, it, let's say, you're going to discard Peacock, you're going to discard Netflix. Why are you going to go ahead and make some changes with your streaming budget and also as well your streaming options? Please let us know your thoughts because this is getting to be a very important sign the streaming industry, which has shown so much growth in recent years, is now slowing down a bit. So we want to hear your thoughts on why you're making changes out there to your streaming outlets and to your streaming choices, plus your thoughts on The Gray Man on Netflix if you had a chance to catch it. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, I'm going to hear TJ Johnson's thoughts on Comic-Con, why it's so important for Marvel, and really really important for DC, plus also as well, 
could this be one of the worst years ever for video games? We're going to debate that fact or fiction coming up here on the back end of the show as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glasser, along with my good friend, still at the store, Mr. TJ Johnson. <laughs> Great to have you here. And I just appreciate the dedication to Pop Culture Absolutely. Cosmos. Is truly admirable that you will do it from anywhere. You just you're like me, man. I, I will just go ahead and I will report on something from Pop Culture Cosmos anywhere. I'll be in a be at a crowded convention, be it in a <laughs> mall. Yeah, I will just be anywhere going ahead and talking about pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So we truly appreciate you taking the time to doing so, my friend. But one of the things for a pop culture junkie like yourself and myself. That's coming up this weekend. Our brains will be on pop culture overload starting on <laughs> Thursday because San Diego Comic-Con, the most revered, the most famous, the most beloved of all the pop culture conventions is going to be taking place this weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's a ton, absolute ton of conferences there, a lot of gatherings, a lot of shows, movies, television projects, a whole ton of things that are going to be there representing studios, Paramount, Disney, Warner Brothers, you name it. They're all going to have representatives down there. Uh, all the coming films such as, you know, the DC slate, the Marvel slate, Star Wars could be represented there in some fashion. I know Star Trek is going to be there in some fashion. I know there's the Lord of the Rings is going to be there in some fashion. I know a lot of other entities are going to be there in, in some fashion as well. Just a ton of pop culture representation is going to be there. It's going to be a great thing for fans as they're going for the first time in a long time in person back to San Diego for Comic-Con. But the thing I want to go ahead that's going to overshadow the whole thing is the fact that DC, with the issues that have taken place and the confusion and the general malaise that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is currently in in Phase 4, this is the biggest opportunity yes. yet for DC to go ahead and reclaim in, what, over 15 years what they once had as the top of the heap as far as the number one pop culture entity. This could be the stepping stone to that, my friend. But even they have some questions. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. <laughs> could this be the year that DC finally tops Marvel in something like over 15 years since the Batman movies, the Jonathan Nolan Batman movies first came around? Could this be the first time ever that we're talking more about DC than Marvel? If we're talking about just talking about them, yes. Let's be really clear. Marvel has got buku, 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 buku dollars as far as the lead is concerned on anything that DC is doing. That's just the, the meat and potatoes of it. Now, as far as the buzz, though, as far as the buzz, this is the opportunity that the DC heads have been waiting for. And this is all still while they're figuring out what the heck they're going to do with Ezra Miller. It was yeah. a completely different conversation for a completely different show on a completely different day. Well, With I actually want to. I actually do want to add that in here, but we'll go ahead. Keep, oh, keep well, on going, right. my friend. So we'll, we'll keep going with that. So yeah. even with DC not knowing what the heck to do with Ezra Miller, if they're going to keep him, if they're not, I know that Warner Brothers is saying that they're done with them. I mean, obviously he was part of the Fantastic Beats, Beasts, yes. if you will. He was part of that series, and and Warner Brothers seems to have said, and I I don't know the quote verbatim i've only heard through rumors that they are completely done with ezra miller and that they're just trying to hope things stay quiet long enough to get this flash movie out so they can essentially reboot the entire dc now this comic-con coming up they've got prime opportunity to reshift the balance of power as the rock would like to use reshift the balance of power 
in the movie industry. They can reshift the balance of power by allowing people to see the DCEU for what we've known it could always be. You're going to have The Rock leading the charge now with Black Adam. You still got Aquaman in the wings. Oh, and by the way, they still have the Flash film whenever it does come out, which happens to have everyone's favorite Batman, Michael Keaton, and everybody's most hated Batman, George Clooney. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, everybody's other most hated Batman and Ben Affleck. It's just people either loved him or hated him. I loved him, but that's another conversation for another day. This is the time. This is the time for DC to say, look at us. We are finally getting it together. We've got a new person in charge. We are, we are ready to move forward. Maybe even get a Superman movie off the ground. I don't know. You've only had the property sitting dormant since Man of Steel. I haven't put out another Superman movie since, uh, unlike the MCU, which is putting out films upon films upon films about characters we barely know as far as the general audience is concerned. This is the time for DC to strike. If there was ever an opportunity where there was a chink in the armor or there might be just a little bit of fatigue on Marvel's point, now is the time for DC to strike. So this is by far the most important San Diego Comic-Con that DC has put out in the last 15 years. There is no denying that this time right now is prime for the taking and DC has to understand and rise to the occasion. If you can't do it now, if you can't do it now, then it can't be done. And you might as well just sell the properties to Marvel and let them make movies. I don't know. But if you can't do it now, it's just not going to happen. This is the prime time when there's so much confusion and so much like you said, malaise and frustration even with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is the time. So yes, this is definitely a big, big, big San Diego, the biggest San Diego Comic-Con for the DC Extended Universe ever. As far as the Marvel side of it, this is important for them too because this, this needs to be an opportunity for them to show that they've refocused. This needs to be an opportunity for them to show that they've listened and that they understand However, I think it's too soon. I think it's too soon for them to have really listened and understood because they're still putting out content that they made two years ago, right? All this, these Disney Plus shows and these Disney Plus series, this is stuff that's been made during the pandemic. This isn't stuff, and some of the stuff they've been sitting on since before the pandemic. Yes. So it really kind of depends on how far into this phase four they've already planned. I know they had some big retreat maybe a month ago, two months ago at this point where they all got together and made sure they... They knew the overarching theme, and that's great. I wish we were part of the retreat so we could know what the overarching theme is because that's what we, as the Marvel Cinematic Universe audience, is looking for. We have no idea what's going on. So this is very, very big San Diego Comic-Con for Marvel as well. I just don't see them as having had enough time to really, quote-unquote, write a ship that, one, we really don't know needs to be writing. I mean, again... Kevin Feige is a genius at what he does. He is very, very wise and understands, seems to have an understanding of what audiences are looking for. So I, I, until he proves me wrong, I have to continue to give him the shadow of a doubt. But it does not change the fact that this time right now is prime opportunity for DC to strike. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more on that. I mean, I think that with everything that's going on with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think we're going to have a lot of issues with what is going on because nobody seems to know clearly as a fan as a viewer what's going on with the marvel cinematic universe hopefully we will get some clarification hopefully we will get some great insight into what's coming up for the marvel cinematic universe other than just going ahead and saying hey here's our next line of movies here's a couple trailers and there you go uh, you're on your way no, I need to know more. I need to understand where is this going? And this is the big platform for Marvel to go ahead and say, you know what? We know we haven't done the best. We know that the pandemic has been tough for everyone. We know it's been tough for us because we haven't been able to provide a clearer picture for you, the viewer, the fan out there. So here's where we're going with this. Here's what we're heading to. Hopefully you'll be able to go along with us for the ride. So Hopefully they'll be able to go ahead and correlate that to the fans coming up. As far as DC is concerned, that's the big question. Again, they need to shoot for the moon. This is their time, as you said, to strike and strike hard, as we say at Cobra Kai. But I think that when it comes down to it, though, it starts off with Flashpoint. 
and the Ezra Miller question. What is yeah. going on with his future? And I think it needs to be clarified. I think it needs to be clarified up front at Comic-Con by the Warner Brother or slash DC execs. They need to go ahead and clarify what's going on. Will they recast it and reshoot it? And if that's the case, bring him out, uh, bring whoever the replacement is, Grant Gustin or whoever, bring that individual out and saying, okay, we're going to go ahead and reshoot and we're going to still going to go ahead and provide you a flashpoint, but we're going to bring a new character in if you're totally done with it. If you're not, let us know that he's just going to be, Ezra Miller's just going to be there for flashpoint, even though that's going to create a lot of controversy, some protesting, things of that nature. You know, if he's going to still be there, Go ahead and let us know that too, so we, at least we could be prepared for it. But also, as, as far as the ramifications going forward for the DC universe, how are all these movies going to start tying in with each other? How is the Batman and Joker movies going to tie in with each other? Will they tie in with each other going forward? Plus, Aquaman, Aquaman 2 coming up, that needs to be talked about a lot because that was a billion dollar successful movie for you. Been virtually nothing said about that film. Black Adam, you know that's around the corner. That needs to be heavily pushed. Shazam, Shazam was a, a movie that is well liked. It reminds me so much of of Ant Man that it's well liked within the studio, but it didn't <laughs> translate within as far as the overall the picture. Box yeah. Office, yeah. Exactly. Same thing. Like I said, I think that's their version of Ant Man because they both yeah. seem to correlate that same path. And we want to know more about the future. What's going on? Will there be another Wonder Woman? You know, after the middling success of that when it came to streaming. And will there be another Superman? You're right. He's one of the most iconic characters that's out there. Is there a future for Superman? Is there a new Superman? Will you go ahead and keep Henry Cavill now that he's made so much more uh, importance for himself because of The Witcher on Netflix? Some major decisions need to go ahead and be discussed. And I really think this is the platform for them to go ahead and showcase to fans and really do a number on Marvel and bring them back. I know you and I, I know Josh and I, I know everybody that I've talked to on this show for years. We've all had a great laugh over the confusion that is the DC universe and the mess and all the things that they should have done and didn't do and the very few things that they've done correctly. In the past two, three years, they've started to get things more in a shape that's going forward that's really been good for them. The Joker was a success. The Batman was a success. Aquaman was a success. You know, there have been more successes for them in the DC Universe. Obviously, we saw with the Snyder Cut, that was a success. So we've seen more things successful for them than we have seen failures. So they're no longer the joke. The only thing is nothing is tied in together. And that's something I think Flashpoint, like you said, has to go ahead and correct. But will they do it with Ezra Miller, especially with all the controversy? They just can't get a break at Warner Brothers, even when things start to go well for them. But we'll see. I personally think they should recast Ezra Miller, reshoot it. They've already spent $200 million. As my friend Ben Arnaud from Australia said, what's another $20, $30 million to go ahead and, and just reshoot the scenes? And there you go. Because Flashpoint could actually become a successful film if it's done right, and it's done without Ezra Miller. But we'll find out later this week. But it is important. I do want to stress how important that it is for DC. And your final thoughts on this DC versus Marvel matchup coming up for Comic-Con. No, I think you uh, I think you hit all the nails on the head, especially in regards to uh, the big one, which is Ezra Miller. And surprisingly, the big one that is uh, Henry Cavill as well. I think that if 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 DC wants to win San Diego Comic-Con, then they have Henry Cavill come out. They yeah. they don't tell anybody, and Henry Cavill comes out and takes the stage, and they will lose their collective minds. I think one thing that we, as a fandom of the DC Extended Universe, is that we do believe that Henry Cavill has been a good Superman for what he's had to work with. He may not be your dad's Superman, your granddad's Superman from the 40s, the 50s, but he has been, by and large, a good Superman for the material that he's been given. And as much as his star has risen since Man of Steel, DC would be idiots to let him go without a fight. DC would be idiots to not keep that cape in his closet, so to speak. 
and I just don't see DC. I just I just don't see them, especially having new leadership that seems to be very proactive about taking care of the fans. I just don't see them letting that go. So if DC wants to send a PlayStation 4 size punch to Marvel, a la PlayStation 4 did to E3, uh, it did to Xbox One at E3, then they let Henry Cavill come out and be part of the panel. And people will lose their rabid minds. Yes, this is what they want. Yes, this is what we've been waiting for. Yes, Ezra Miller is a huge question mark. I believe also that they should recast him. I don't know that they will. At least I should say I don't, I don't have confidence that the old team would. My confidence is a little bit more on this new team and this new direction that they want to go and how they're much more proactive in regards to the fans and, and understanding uh, exactly what it is that's going on with Ezra Miller is a big key to that. I do believe that they need to recast him. And like you said, what's an additional 20, 30 million? Or like your, your, your friend said, what's an additional 20, 30 million at this point? You've already spent 200 million plus million on the film. What's an additional 20, 30 million to get those things reshot? I say go for it because, again, this has the opportunity to be an endgame level event for DC, the endgame event that wasn't Justice League. This truly does have the potential to have some huge ramifications for the DC Extended Universe going forward. And I think they would be asinine to not take every opportunity to get this right. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you as always for stopping by, but one last thing before we head on out. Josh and I had a conversation last week on the Cosmos in regards to a debate over once again what we thought was the best year for video games and we got this study in an email from this outlet that followed it on a statistical analysis basis and they stated that 2003 was the best year of video games and they said why and i don't know it just seems like it was just something that they really couldn't get straight because they thought it more of a statistical analysis instead of what was the best thing for the industry? What was the best year for the industry? And for our summation and for the reasons why we, we indicated on last week's show, 2007 going forward, we think was the best year for gaming history because of the fact that it had so many important games to the industry as a whole. Well, this year, with 2022 because of the pandemic because of so many delays because of so many video games that were planned to go ahead and come out in 2022 have now been shifted to 2023 there's been a lot of talk about how this year could be one of the worst years on record for video games so i want to hear your thoughts my friend i mean of course elden ring has continued to find success in fact the mpd has stated it did win for the month of June, which for a four-month-old game is actually still really good that it continues to go ahead and find success. We've had the successor for Horizon Zero Dawn. We've had the GT, as far as Gran Turismo 7, that came out. Actually, the end of Cuphead with the DLC, Delicious Last Course. But the offerings after that have been slim and few and far between, especially this summer where this summer really hasn't produced much outside of the delicious last course from Cuphead. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. Thinking about it, since I sent you my thoughts on what we would talk about today, what are your thoughts? Could this be the year when it all is said and done? I know God of War, the Ragnarok, that's going to come out later this year, but when all is said and done, with all the delays and all the, the games that have moved to 2023, 
could it really be the worst year for video games after all? It's a good question. I think it really depends on the scope in which you're looking at what defines the best or worst years in gaming history. For me personally, I think that it kind of goes more the way that we were talking about with Marvel, right? You're looking at quality over quantity. A, a game that's rushed and it's put out before it's supposed to be put out, before it's ready, will always be a rushed game. <laughs> a game that's been delayed, a game that's been postponed to be polished, to be finalized, always has the potential to continue to be a fantastic game that goes down in history as one of the greatest games ever. So in the spirit of that, if you're looking at it from a numbers standpoint, from a sales standpoint, you know, maybe this isn't going to be the best year of gaming. Although Elden Ring killed it. You've had some other games, some other independent games like Sifu, for instance, killed it. People weren't expecting that. Yes. Uh, that did extremely well as well. We've got some quality games this year. It really just depends on what you define as a best or worst game type scenario. So for me personally, I don't believe that this is the worst year in gaming. I actually believe that the games that we've gotten have been strong quality games. And I also believe that the content that we've gotten put out that has helped some of these games continue to have longevity after their initial sales has actually been some pretty good stuff. I've been on record talking about how much I dislike the Avengers. Remember that game that came out last year or two years ago at this point? I've been on record talking about how much I didn't like everything post-main post story. Um, I didn't like the layout. I didn't like the user interface. I didn't like the, the way they did upgrades or I didn't like the, the, some of the systems that they use. I didn't like the way it Like, there was just a lot about it I wasn't a fan of. And I can say that Crystal Dynamics has put a lot of time into changing your opinion on the game. Now, granted, as I said earlier, once you release a game that's bad, it's always going to be bad. There's, there, there's not going to be too much more that can be done. Cyberpunk hopefully is the exception to that rule as opposed to a continuation of that but it's very very difficult to remove that taste once it's been put in it's hard to make another first impression right but if you delay a game inevitably it has the potential to be a fantastic game even if ragnarok was delayed until next year which it hasn't been so far thank gosh but even if it's delayed until next year it still has the potential to be one of the greatest games of all time i mean the hype for it is not dead the hype for it is, is, is probably more fever pitch than it has been. And they haven't announced the delay. I know there were concerns about a delay, but now they've got a hard locked-in date in November. Anything can happen, but it doesn't change the fact that it has the potential to be a great, great, great game. So, no, I don't believe this has been the worst year. I don't believe that if you look at what gaming has been able to, to do for me, what gaming has been able to do for me, what gaming has been allowed me to be able to get through, what gaming has allowed me to be able to persevere through, Games have always been an outlet, and it's always been a form of art to me, and art often imitates life. But for me, it's been an escape. It's been an opportunity to venture into a world long forgotten. It's been an opportunity to venture in and save galaxies when there are times where I feel like my own is coming down, my own is crashing down. So personally, I can't, I can't subscribe to that. I do not think this is the worst year in gaming. I think there are that we've had too many other things going on that gaming has allowed us to kind of get past to put that label on really any game that came out in the last two or three, any, any year in the last two or three years of gaming, because it's allowed us to get through so much through pandemics, through political turmoil, through just worldly turmoil. We've all had games to fall back on. Now, when you're bored and you've got a plethora of games and the games aren't resonating and it's just not fun to play, then it's going to be a different story. But I, I truly do believe that if the game was released in the last two, three years and it's had some type of fanfare and it's had some type of longevity, I, I can't put any of these years in the worst years of gaming. Just because of everything else that we've got going on, we've got way bigger fish to fry and, and this has helped us kind of see past some of the things that are right in front of us, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And I, I I appreciate your reasoning on that. I do want to say that, yeah, with the pandemic, it has created a lot of situations, a lot of problems, a lot of concerns for these video game developers and these video game publishers. I understand there's been a lot of delays because of it, but I look at the, the picture as far as on black and white right there, as far as the number of releases and outside of that very small window where you had the New Horizon game. You had 
Gran Turismo 7, you had, of course, Elden Ring blow up and just amaze the video game industry with its outstanding quality and the fact that it probably is the leading contender for the game of the year. The thing is that you can't really name a whole bunch of other games that are come alongside it. Now, this summer is almost like every other summer where there's a dearth of content that is never being released during the summer. For some reason, video game companies seem to avoid releasing anything during the middle months of the year, like the plague, which often irritates me because people will buy (laughs) at seemingly any point in time of the year if it's a quality game. But this has been a extremely, extremely dry summer for video games since the release of Gran Turismo 7. And like you said, Sifu, after that, it's been really dry. When people are talking about the Delicious Last Course, which is a DLC for Cuphead, more than any other video game out there except for Elden Ring. That tells you something right there about how bad it is. I know we've got the Saints Row reboot coming up. I know we've got the usual Madden. I know we've got the Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2 coming up. I know we've got Skull and Bones finally coming out after what? Yeah, 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 exactly. Arkham Knights. There's some still good properties on the way. We'll see if those games are quality. So hopefully we can, or at least I can readjust my thinking, but I don't want to say this is the worst year for video games, but this is definitely on the lower <laughs> ebb. And I'll, I will probably say it is one of the worst years for video gaming up until this point. It is one of the worst years, not the worst year, but one of the worst years for video games through no fault of its own, no one to blame or anything of like that. It's just circumstance, but it has created one of the worst years for video games for the industry. Well, if you're looking at it from a number standpoint, then you might be onto something there. I just, I can't look at things black and white. I I just, I've, I've never been that person to, it either is or it isn't. There's, there's shades of gray in just about everything in life. And that includes when we do these type of lists or these best of or worst of or, or anything in that nature, there's always going to be shades of gray because people are going to input their experiences in, in, into the conversation as well. And I think there's that's where there's a lot of room for it because we can look at we can look at games like Madden, who we know Madden for the last ten years has been mediocre at best. But if we're gonna look at it from a strictly number standpoint, it sells stupid every year. Call of Duty, some of them better than other. Modern Warfare was pretty good, but on another game where rather you like it or not, it sells tremendously. So if we're looking at it from a sales standpoint then no, it's not the worst year. If we're looking at it from just the pure content, from what you're referring to is just what's been released, depending on how you feel about that content. You know, and again, it's, it's going to be up to the individual. It's going, it's, it's, there is no hard right or wrong to best or worst year of gaming. There, there, there can't be because we all incorporate so much of our own personalities into what we define as the best and the worst. And it's so much more than just a, I or O is ones or zeros. It's not binary. There's so much more to it than just that. And I think we have to understand that everybody's prism is going to be different and based on their own experiences and their own rose tinted glasses. So it, it's going to be hard to say. I don't subscribe to it, but I understand what you're saying in regards to we just haven't had a lot to talk about. That's that's fair. But this this hasn't been a bad year for me. I mean, not for me personally, I should say. Okay, well, there you go. That's that's awesome. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear that for you, this has not been a bad year for gaming. So we want to hear from everybody out there. Has it been a bad year for gaming? Is this one of the worst years ever? Is this the worst year ever for gaming? Or is this a great year for gaming? Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But my friend, you've been awesome. You've been at the grocery store. You've been on the road. You've been traveling, man, indeed, all during the show. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Hey, G, I'm just grateful to be a part of it. Anytime I'm allowed to be on, thank you for having me as always. You know it, my friend. You're always a special part of what we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to get the DMs from you during Comic-Con. Yep. So you make sure you right. let me know. And if you can come on, share your thoughts. The aftermath, please let me know. I'd love to have yeah. you on for that. But yes, my friend, just great to have you here. Great to have you a part of what we do and cannot thank you enough again for being part of the pop culture cosmos. So for TJ Johnson, this is Gerald Glassford. 
it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.